We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The world's most exciting podcast. Home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage. Host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. Some very good news. Newsmax and DirecTV have reached a business agreement that our channel will return to all DirecTV, DirecTV Stream, and UVerse customers on Thursday, March 23rd, which is tomorrow. DirecTV has consistently expressed their interest in providing Newsmax to its subscribers and made it clear that they wished we had never left, which is why we are glad to have reached an agreement. Now, this marks the end of a process that began a few months ago when we were initially unable to reach mutually acceptable financial terms for them to carry Newsmax, leaving DirecTV without the rights to air our channel. DirecTV's position has consistently been that they were never about limiting conservative voices and that they were acting on financial considerations with a commitment to providing its customers with the best programming at the best value while maintaining a diversified programming lineup. Newsmax now accepts that position. Now, carriage disputes like the one we resolve with DirecTV are a common occurrence in our industry. DirecTV has reached agreements with plenty of networks across the political spectrum over the past few years. We thank DirecTV for its support over the years. It actually helped Newsmax get its start nearly a decade ago, and it's been a great distributor ever since. And we expect it to be for many years to come. So make sure you check out Newsmax on DirecTV, DirecTV Stream, or UVerse today. And now on with the show. Ultimately, I'm always right. Is he? Look, actually, this time, I'm glad he's wrong, and I hope he stays wrong on this idea that he's going to be arrested. So over the weekend, he announced that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday. Look at the end of that. Will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. That was from Donald Trump himself. And I can understand why. I mean, you heard the media reports, all the vibration. Take a look at the New York Times. This is 
Almost two weeks ago, they reported that criminal charges for Trump are likely. That was all the way back on March 9th. Now, the whole thing is completely ridiculous. The idea of charging Donald Trump for money, his own money, that he paid to his own lawyer about this thing from seven years ago, about a matter that was actually, let's see, almost 17 years ago. It's all nonsense. And maybe the prosecutors, they're realizing that this is going to make us look really, really stupid. Number one, there's no violation of the law, in my opinion. And also, it just doesn't look dramatic or even interesting. Remember Russia? I mean, that was, a, that was one hell of a complaint. Wow, Russia is colluding with Donald Trump. Now, that turned out to be completely bogus, but at least it sounded good for a while, sounded dramatic. How about Ukraine, that phone call? Donald Trump looking for dirt on a political opponent and using the foreign policy apparatus. That, again, was nonsense. That phone call was fine, but it seemed very, very serious. And then there's this thing with January 6th. I mean, an insurrection. It wasn't an insurrection. There are so many aspects about this, questions that haven't even been asked. Donald Trump did nothing wrong, in my opinion, and in the opinion of millions of others. So, but those things at least seem serious. This thing with the check and Michael Cohen and uh, Stormy Daniels, ridiculous. That's possibly why no federal prosecutor would touch it. And it went to Alvin Bragg. Uh, <laughs> a very unusual character seems to be on the side of criminals. Literally seems to like criminals more than he likes police. So Michael Cohen has been running his mouth, as you know, uh, well, for years, but he's gone into overdrive lately. And maybe his big mouth just finally started to turn off some people like, well, in addition to millions of people watching cable news, the people in the grand jury box, this guy's story doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And there was another man that we heard from this week, Robert Costello, very fine lawyer who put it on the line. This man, it was like a breath of fresh air. Do you remember? This was, a, this was Monday, I believe. Go ahead. I am honoring my ethical obligation. I've listened to Michael Cohn stand in front of the courthouse and say things that are directly contrary to what he said to us. My obligation is to bring the truth to both the district attorney and to Trump's lawyers. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, I think he, uh, he was a game changer. His testimony was, a, this guy used to be Michael Cohen's attorney. Michael Cohen granted him uh, a waiver of attorney-client privilege years ago. This guy knows the whole story, and I think it was a game changer. But for more, we got to check in with another lawyer. Yeah, Andrew, just as we come on the air, our colleague Jonathan Deans reporting that the grand jury won't meet today. What? The grand jury not meeting today? Fantastic. Uh, maybe this phony indictment is turning out to be totally phony, and the grand jury can see that? He hasn't been indicted yet. Maybe it won't happen at all. Let's bring in Joe Tacopina, uh, President Trump's lawyer in this matter. Hey, Joe, you're on television. Welcome to Newsmax. How are you, sir? Hey, Greg, how are you? Terrific. Hey, is this possible? Is this over? I mean, what can you tell us? He said the president said it would have happened already. Is this thing over? Uh, you know, Greg, I would like to believe that um, it should be. It should have never 
started, let alone be over, there's, and I swear from the bottom of my heart, there, there's no crime here. Um, in my 32 years in this profession, both as a prosecutor and defense lawyer, I've never seen um, such an abuse of prosecutorial discretion in my career. Um, is it over? You know, we've all heard that there's chaos going on in that office, as well there should be. I mean, when you bring a charge that's based on targeting an individual because you don't like him or his politics, um, when you look for a crime to fit a person, it's everything that we do not stand for in this country, hmm. um, both sides of the pendulum. No, and I... so, you know, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office used to be the pinnacle, and, and it's really sad to see what's happening. It's a mess. Now, what I heard, and a lot of people have heard, uh, Robert Costello goes in there, and everything changes. Everything flips. He talks directly to the uh, grand jury and uh, tells them he has a big stack of emails, 300 between him and Robert Co uh, Michael Cohen, and it blows the whole case wide open. Um, have you heard that? I know you saw Mr. Costello. Have you heard what kind of impact he had inside that grand jury room? I can't imagine he had anything but a powerful impact for President Trump. I mean, Bob Costello's a respected lawyer in this city. He's someone who doesn't have an axe to grind. He's He has written proof of everything he was saying. Um, he seemed to be quite upset that the prosecutors didn't reveal all that to the grand jury. Um, but I wasn't in there, obviously, and we're not really part of that process. Um, but more than that, there's another letter that came forth today, Greg, where another law firm um, who represented Michael Cohen in front of the FEC, the Federal Election Committee, um, you know, wrote a similar um, scathing sort of letter that, that, when I say scathing, scathing toward the current story of Michael Cohen, right. where he's saying he, the president knew nothing about the uh, settlement that he arranged with his own money um, to ingratiate himself to the president. I have so, that letter right know, here, uh, by the he way. He never reimbursed by the president. The yep. letter hit the Internet, and I mean, uh, Michael Cohen's then-lawyer, a guy named Stephen Ryan, says that the payment in question does not constitute a campaign contribution or expenditure. The FEC lacks jurisdiction. That seems to be the opposite of what uh, Cohen is saying right now. Uh, that's, that's something. Let me put up the Trump truth, though, if you don't mind, from the other day. Uh, this really rocked my world and a lot of people's world over the weekend. And we love President Trump, but he said it was going to happen on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, far away, leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. And it was very, very specific. Um, what do you know about what he was told? I mean, why so specific? And it didn't happen. Well, it That's was just based on optimistic. these leaks. You know, there were... Yeah, there were incestuous leaks coming out of that office. I mean, you know, there was a leak that on Monday there was a law enforcement meeting to plan and arrange the arraignment of the president. So, uh, you know, from those leaks, he, he was able to put together that on Tuesday there would be an arrest. Um, it didn't happen. Look, I'd like to think that somebody has, has shaken yeah. the DA, um, Alpha Bragg, and said, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because this is not a partisan um, situation. It's not only the people, the usual suspects on the far right who are saying this is an outrage. People on the far left are saying it, too. I mean, it's, it's across some. the board. Anyone who cares about rule of law in this country, Greg, is very upset by what's happening right I now. I am furious about it. But, Joe, let me ask you this. Have they, and you would be the guy they'd have to talk to as a former president, have they talked to you, the president's lawyer, about logistics of an arraignment, of coming to New York, or perhaps doing this over Zoom? Have we gotten to that point yet? 
No, we haven't. Uh, Susan Nicholas, my co-counsel in this matter, has is, is been in the point person in touch with the district attorney's office, and, and uh, that, that's been a tabled discussion. Look, there needs to be a grand jury vote first, and, and you know, there's a saying you can indict a ham sandwich. The grand jury is just a mechanism to bring a felony charge. Um, in, in state court, New York State. Yeah, but this sandwich, um, this sandwich is mean. rotten. This sandwich is rotten, and oh. I think they're smelling that. <laughs> Do me great. a favor, Joe. I want to play this uh, moment, um, and I think I know what's going on here. All right, this is President Trump as president, 2018, on Air Force One, talking about this matter. Go ahead. I think, uh, you know, sometimes they like to ambush people with this stuff. But here's my my read on this. It's one of those cases where you tell the truth carefully enough. You're, you're not lying. And he did not know about the money that Michael Cohen used, the money that he actually used to send to uh, uh, Miss Clifford's representatives. He um, was actually letter of the law. Totally, totally accurate. According to Michael Cohen and his lawyer, um in their representation to the FEC, unless that was another complete um, misrepresentation and lied to a federal official, which is another felony. Uh, according to Michael Cohen, the, in the letter that was un unearthed today, um, that's 100% correct, Greg, that, that Michael Cohen orchestrated and, and engineered this. Um, and, and after he did it, he subsequently put together a, a rather large uh, legal services invoice that in included a whole host of things not specified and, and, and billed um, the president personally, by the way, personally, um, over the course of a year. Yeah. And understand, that's what's key here, personally. This is not, what's not invoked here is campaign finance lawyers. No matter what happened here, no matter what, everything they're saying could even be truthful, it still does not invoke campaign finance laws. I understand. And that's what's crucial here. Bradley's, I mean, it's, 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 that's what's mind-boggling. I don't know how they think they're going to overcome that and prove this case. It's ludicrous. And as we go to break, we've got to wrap up. I want to show everybody Mark Pomerantz. He's a lawyer who came up with a theory of all this stuff. Uh, he wrote a book, a noxious book. And are you planning to sue this character? What's, what's, what's the latest? I know you sent him some pretty aggressive letters, which he deserved. Uh, yeah. We, I, I only got 10 seconds. What's the deal here? Yes, we do. We've also um, notified some, some authorities regarding his conduct. He committed a crime, in our opinion. He revealed grand jury information to a third party. Joe Tacopina, good luck. Our very best, my very best to your client, the President of the United States, President Trump, former President, 45, maybe 47, fingers Thank crossed. You. Thank you, sir, and we'll be right back. Big tech is a real danger. Now, Congressman Ken Buck's new book exposes their censorship. It's called Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. Google, Facebook, and Twitter suppress the truth about Hunter's laptop, COVID, Trump, and more. If you're tired of their liberal bias and how Google uses Gmail and YouTube TV to censor you, get Crushed. Get your free copy of Crushed today by going online or calling the number on your screen. This is serious, right? This is a former president for the first time in the history of this country who may be indicted. But if an indictment is brought here, this would be historic. This is incredibly significant. If there's an indictment of Donald Trump, it will be monumental, historic. 
an indictment of Trump would be significant and literally historic. They just love saying that, right? Oh, so historic, so significant. And it would be. I mean, everything about Donald Trump seems to be historic and significant. Uh, but this crossed my mind. I don't think he's going to be indicted, but um, there have been great world leaders who have actually been to prison before assuming office. Gandhi. Gandhi spent six years in prison. Nelson Mandela, of course, sentenced to life in prison. I think he spent like, what, 20 years in prison? And Vatslav Havel, uh, four and a half years in prison. Uh, remember, it was uh, Czechoslovakia. Now we call it the Czech Republic. Um, Rudy Giuliani joins us, the former New York City mayor, former lawyer for President Trump. And oh, by the way, hi. <laughs> I have a feeling, Mr. Mayor, that everybody has gotten sick of Michael Cohen running his mouth nonstop. He's finally been revealed uh, for the fraud that he is. But Mr. Mayor, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Terrific. And I do think there is some fatigue factor, maybe even with the grand jury. Michael Cohen <laughs> just went too far and everybody got a look at Robert Costello, who I know is a friend of yours and an associate of yours, a great attorney, went in there and tried to tell them the real deal about this guy. Anyway, sir, where do things stand right now, in your opinion? Well, I think you're right. I think I think uh, I, I think that there's I think there's a um, there's attention on the grand jury. Uh, dissension in the state. I think that uh, Costello, uh, Bob made uh, uh, critical points. Uh, the fact that they wouldn't look at the e the, uh, the uh, prosecutors wouldn't allow the jury to look at the emails. He had three hundred of them. They only looked at six. Uh, the, the fact that they didn't know that he had waived the attorney-client privilege. The fact that he went on television and lied about it just the other night. I mean, he's supposedly, you know, when they go before a jury, a prosecutor is going to say, well, he was a big liar in the past, but he's telling the truth now. No, he's not. He's lying right now. He went on television and said, I never signed a waiver of the attorney-client privilege. But 20 minutes later, Costello held up a document with his signature on it, waiving the attorney-client privilege. There were also any number of assistant U.S. attorneys who sent that to Bob Costello who can testify that he waived And you should also realize that everything Bob Costello is saying is backed up by his partner. It's two on one. And another lawyer, a senior partner in his firm that was with him for the entire thing. Everything Costello says was witnessed by a second person, also a member of the bar, a lawyer, no reason to lie other than being disgusted at this miscarriage adjusted. If you're a decent lawyer, Republican or Democrat, this is your worst nightmare. So you're, uh, sir, you, nobody's a, was a better prosecutor than you. You know that old saying, you can't, you can indict a ham sandwich. You can indict a ham sandwich. And I know people like to quote that, and it's probably pretty easy to get an indictment, but um, there are exceptions. There have to be. And this ham sandwich seems like it's uh, spoiled and rotten. And uh, even a grand jury given to kind of side with the prosecution would understand that. Anyway, do these things sometimes fail? Yeah, uh, it's very rare. But uh, prosecutors like to call them runaway grand juries. But in this particular case, it, it could. It, I mean, yeah, it does happen. If the if the grand jury uh, begins to doubt the prosecutor, you can all unwrap. The reason they're ham sandwiches is that they trust the prosecutor. Uh, the minute that trust breaks down, and that had to be pretty jarring for them to realize how much they're not hearing. 
And uh, really, the prosecutor has the obligation to give exculpatory information to a jury. That's why the grand jury trusts a prosecutor. They're supposed to give both sides of the case. You're, you're seeking justice, not conviction, which I think, you know, in, in the case of, 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 uh, yeah. of Bragg, is totally ridiculous. We got to prosecute anybody. Oh, Bragg is crazy, it seems like. Right. I mean, the stuff he said during the campaign. Mr. Mayor, if I can... Uh, you've heard the commentators, they say, well, they're, they're already getting ready if this thing fails. Atlanta, Georgia, that's the big case. You hear them all the time. Let's go ahead and run that tape, please. I think it's fair to say, I think everybody would agree that the Georgia and uh, DOJ investigations are much more serious than this one. And they believe if they focus on this, it then diminishes the impact of the two more serious cases that are hanging over his head. The investigation in Georgia over election interference. Uh, they love saying that. Uh, by the way, you have a lot of insight. You testify before the grand jury down there. Uh, what do you make of their commentary and their, that observation? No better than this one. I mean, I think it hinges on his calling Rassenberger and telling Rassenberger to investigate, which uh, Rassenberger was sitting there six days after the election with a report raising 48 irregularities of a serious nature with the election. And for four months, he kept repeating the election was perfect. So we're going to trust this guy. Uh, so the president called him to say, I mean, we had evidence filling a room of, of uh, stealing in Georgia. And he was saying... Basically, it's only an 11,000 vote election, and we've got about 200,000 incidents of fraud. You can't find 11,000? He wasn't telling him to go make it up. He was telling him to go investigate. Actually, he was telling him and didn't know it to look at the damn report in your office. It's, it's, I, I, it's like a freedom of speech issue. If you are the guy on the ballot, you're allowed to call the election officials and say pretty much whatever you want, uh, short of, uh, you know... I, Take a look. We actually have the moment where, you know, this is the big controversy about. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. Uh, and all that's like kind of a statement of fact. He wants the votes. <laughs> he needs the votes. Uh, you're allowed to say these things in America. This is still America, Mr. Mayor. Yeah, and the background of that is he knew that there were 200,000, at least, disputed votes. And what he's saying is you can't find 11,000, but largely because the guy, the guy was part of the fraud. The, four days after the election, as I told you, he had an independent report given to him that the election was... Like we like to say in New York, few days the election was crooked. He hid that. Yeah. That only about eight months ago. Mr. Mayor, that was we're out of time, but do me a favor. You got that book right over your right shoulder. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, can you tell us about that? Is it yours? Uh, I mean, we well, let's talk about it real quick, if you don't mind. I was doing an interview with Christina Bob, who wrote a who wrote a terrific book about the election. She. She really has tremendous insight, particularly into Arizona and, and Michigan. Oh, okay. And what happened. So that's her just, book, not your book. And, uh, well, good luck to uh, Christina and her book. But in the meantime, Mr. Mayor, we appreciate your time very, very much. And what's that? <laughs> She's also a Marine. That's true. Marine captain. Ah, 
Fine, fine, fine Marine. Thank you, sir. <laughs> See you soon, and we'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Shock and awe, 20 years ago this month. I've seen a number of uh, retrospectives 20 years later on the invasion and occupation of Iraq. And I have some thoughts about the whole fiasco. And it was a total fiasco, a catastrophe, and totally unnecessary. Remember, they told us weapons of mass destruction, and there were none. What did we gain from this? Zero. I was there. I was there as an embedded journalist. That's me on the right. I was with Fox News at the time and uh, embedded with the 3rd Infantry Division. We left Kuwait and we went all the way in to Baghdad itself. And it was a tremendous wild ride. I never expected to see the things that I saw and I saw it all. I saw everything that you might think of when it comes to combat. Even took a little bit of uh, metal in the face at one point. Uh, this was no big deal, but it was a really big deal when my parents saw it on TV. I was uh, I basically needed a Band-Aid, and I was back in action about uh, 10 minutes later. But I knew this war was unnecessary. I knew it. And I'll tell you specifically how. But it turned out the invasion, as intense as it was, well, that was only the warm-up, right? They never did treat us as liberators, did they? They didn't want us there. And with no weapons of mass destruction, we really had no business there. None. Zero. Before the war, before the invasion, some of the most credible voices in America were saying, and there were very few of them, oh, by the way, but the most credible ones, the experts like Scott Ritter, who at the time had extensive experience actually on the ground being in Iraq looking for weapons of mass destruction. I listened to this guy intensely and here he is in August of 2002, some six, seven months before the invasion. Saddam Hussein is an awful man, a brutal dictator and uh, he is a, a scar on the world uh, in terms of his morality, He's, he represses his people, all of this. None of that is a case for war. None of that is justification for American military troops marching off to engage in combat. Until we can document that Iraq poses a threat to the national security of the United States, we shouldn't be talking about war with Iraq. And we could not document that they were a threat without weapons of mass destruction. So they kept saying that and saying it and saying it. And then they tried to add to the story. And this is where I got very suspicious. George W. Bush gave a speech in Cincinnati in October of 02, and this line stood out to me. The world has tried no-fly zones to keep Saddam from terrorizing his own people. 
and in the last year alone, the Iraqi military has fired upon American and British pilots more than 750 times. Yeah, that got my attention because just four years earlier, I was one of the pilots flying over the southern no-fly zone of Iraq. And yes, there were the occasional pot shots taken at aircraft. But in 12 years of no-fly zones, not one American aircraft was actually shot down. They never hit one. I found that very suspicious that this would be the reason for invading Iraq. And it wasn't just Republicans. It wasn't just Bush. It was Democrats, including, yeah, Biden. The only way, the only way we're going to get rid of Saddam Hussein is we're going to end up having to start it alone, start it alone, and it's going to require guys like you in uniform to be back on foot in the desert taking, the son of a, the, uh, taking Saddam down. You know it and I know it. Saddam is dangerous. The world would be a better place without him. But the reason he poses a growing danger to the United States and its allies is that he possesses chemical and biological weapons. Mr. President, I will vote for the, uh, the Lieberman-Warner Amendment to authorize the use of military force against Iraq. They all did, pretty much. It was the thing to do because they felt like fools when they voted the wrong way, some of them, uh, on the first Gulf War. So they had to be really hawkish on this. And, of course, no weapons of mass destruction. All those troops over there, all those American troops fighting, risking their lives, weapons of mass destruction. Remember, the war on terror. And just about everywhere we went in Iraq, instead of making friends, we made enemies. Don't tell me about the schools that we built. That's not why we went there. And quite frankly, we didn't make a dent in that society. No. We took so much from them and so much from us. And then George W. Bush joked about it. No weapons of mass destruction. And in 2004, he had to, I guess this is owning it, making light of it, making fun of the worst mistake in American history? Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. <laughs> nope, no weapons over there. <laughs> Maybe under here. <laughs> Not funny. That's outrageous. And now he has the nerve to wag his finger at MAGA and call us nativists. And well, he looks down on us because, well, he's a snob. And he conned a lot of people. So did this family with the pork rinds and, you know, the country music. He sends so many people to war to get Saddam Hussein in part, right? Saddam Hussein's gone. But what about the weapons of mass destruction? You know, he was a bad guy. But it's like, let's say you have a neighbor who's a bad guy and you want him evicted. And instead of evicting one guy from one house, you destroy the entire neighborhood. That's what we did. And you know who called all of this out in the most dramatic, in-your-face way possible? And this is one of the reasons why I signed on very, very early. You know who. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake, all right? Now, you can take it any way you want, and it took, 
It took Jeb Bush, if you remember at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days. He went back. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. Took him five days before his people told him what to say. And he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes. But that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. So much truth in just a few seconds. There are aspects of the Republican Party who never even entertained any of the obvious truth, especially Jeb Bush. This might have been a fatal blow for Jeb as he's hearing the truth, hemming and hawing and shifting around. And uh, yeah, he he can't handle the truth. Literally, he can't handle the truth. Now, there is this one part of the story. They try to say, oh, Donald Trump is actually he was for the war. Headline after headline. Donald Trump is a fact check. He's lying. He was actually for the war, for the war, for the war. That's actually not true. What they cite is an interview on Howard Stern in October of 2002, before the United States actually approved the resolution uh, supporting the use of force. Listen to this exchange. Are you for invading Iraq? Yeah, I guess so. Have you ever heard Donald Trump stutter in his life? Hmm? This is on a radio show. This is the only clip we have. Yeah, I guess so. Can I hear it one more time? Yeah, I guess so. Um, that's a man who has not made up his mind. He did say, oh, I wish we had done it right in 1991. A lot of people feel that way. So, and he said a lot of things when he wasn't on air. Remember, this man wasn't a senator. He wasn't voting on any resolutions for the authorization of the use of force. Donald Rumsfeld, at one point, the Secretary of Defense later, but he met with Saddam Hussein. What was the full extent of our relationship with Iraq over the years? I'd love to know the full story. And later, he became the Secretary of Defense. I wonder, I wonder if it was his decision to hold back in Afghanistan because we knew Iraq was coming. Because after 9-11, we went to Afghanistan late and light. We gave Osama bin Laden and his friends a month and a half head start, and we didn't go in as heavy as we should have to get the guys who did this. It took us 10 years to find him, I believe, because Iraq was the ultimate objective. Anyway, 20 years later, just some thoughts I wanted to share, and we'll be right back. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Yeah, that's TikTok for you. A lot of talentless people cavorting and uh, putting all kinds of crazy ideas into the heads of American youth. TikTok is a real danger, uh, not only to, well, their psyche, but all of us. Our personal data, many believe, is being harnessed by the Communist Party of China. 
TikTok is everywhere. It's highly, highly addictive. Hey, I got to hand it to 60 Minutes uh, over there at CBS. They did a pretty effective and chilling report on what this is all about. The version that's served to Chinese consumers, called Douyin, is very different from the one available in the West. In their version of TikTok, if you're under 14 years old, they show you science experiments you can do at home, museum exhibits, patriotism videos, and educational videos. And they also limit it to only 40 minutes per day. Now, they don't ship that version of TikTok to the rest of the world. There's a survey of preteens in the U.S. and China asking what is the most aspirational career that you want to have. And the U.S., the number one was influencer. Social media influencer. And in China, the number one was astronaut. We are in serious trouble, aren't we? Wow. So that person we saw a little while ago, this is a more admirable figure than joining NASA. We've got problems. Now, fortunately, we have some very bright people in Congress, in the U.S. Senate, who are onto this and, and doing what they can. Senator Hawley confronting a senior executive of TikTok a few months back. Are there members of the Chinese Communist Party employed by TikTok and ByteDance, yes or no? I wouldn't be able to tell you the political affiliation of any individual. What I can tell you is how much we're investing. No, membership in the Communist Chinese Party is not exactly well like membership in the Democrat Party. Controls. So I'm, I'm looking for an answer. You, you so, tell me you don't know. TikTok doesn't know. I'm, I, here's what I can tell you. I can tell you that our U.S. and Singapore leadership, there are no CCP members. I can tell you. So you that do know that, but, you, but you're telling me that you don't know if there are any members who are employed by TikTok or ByteDance, members of the Chinese Communist Party? Senator, I am happy to share that we are putting access control... That's not my question. My question well is... That's not my question. My question is, are there any TikTok employees or ByteDance members, uh, employees, members of the Chinese Communist Party? Yes or no? Senator, I'm saying nobody could sit up here and give you so that So you answer. don't know? You're saying you don't know. You do know your leadership isn't, but you don't know about your employees. Is that your testimony? I know that everyone who makes a strategic decision at ah. this platform is not a member of the CCP. A strategic Correct. decision. Okay. Oh, boy. He found something. He was getting the runaround. This guy is good. And she was being evasive, just like the whole company. What I do know is you won't give me straight answers to, your, to my questions, and the reason, I think, is pretty clear, because your company has a lot to hide. You're a walking security nightmare, and for every American who uses this app, I'm concerned. Me too. But tomorrow, Senator Hawley and others will be able to confront um, the CEO of the whole company. His name is Xu Zi Chu, and uh, he's pretty enthusiastic about his product, and uh, I don't trust him. Hi everyone, it's Sho here. I'm the CEO of TikTok. I'm here in Washington DC today and uh, I have some news and updates to share with everyone here. Today, I'm super excited to announce that more than 150 million Americans are on TikTok. That's almost half of the US coming to TikTok. And that's the problem. That is a huge problem. And the thing is owned by China. Bad, bad, bad news. Next. To connect to create, to share, to learn, or just to have some fun. This includes 5 million businesses that use TikTok to reach the customers. And the majority of these are small and medium businesses. 
I've heard this kind of corporate spin before. Small and medium businesses. Oh, we don't want to. We don't want to do anything that wouldn't support the small and medium business owner. I don't believe them. I have never personally been influenced to buy something or not buy something by by TikTok, but perhaps I am unique. Next, please. Some politicians have started talking about. Banning TikTok. Now, this could take TikTok away from all 150 million of you. I'll be testifying before Congress later this week to share all that we're doing to protect Americans using the app and deliver on our mission to inspire creativity and to bring joy. Creativity and joy. The word is he doesn't let his own children use TikTok. Next. We're looking at TikTok. We may be banning TikTok. We may be doing some other things. There are a couple of options. They're going to be showing me everything in a little while on TikTok. And uh, we have some great companies who want to buy it. And we're looking at those companies. We're looking at, most importantly, the security with respect to China. We'll either close up TikTok in this country for security reasons or it'll be sold. Well, uh, that is leadership. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, what does he do? He invites TikTokers, prominent TikTokers, to the White House and gives him gives them the run of the place. Literally, remember Benny? And here are some major TikTok influencers, and Joe could not be happier. Stay tuned for tomorrow. This stuff is corrupting so many children. And uh, I'm counting on those senators and congressmen to uh, fight for us. Be right back. Hockey, it's a pretty intense, sometimes brutal sport. I do enjoy it from time to time. Uh, the way these guys skate, it's amazing. You know what you don't think about when you're watching hockey? Uh, sex. <laughs> it's just it has nothing to do with hockey. Sorry. No matter what kind of sex, it has nothing to do with hockey. Fair enough. But uh, well, they're trying to say otherwise, apparently. Uh, the San Jose Sharks, it must be about LGBTQ plus IA uh, pride night at the hockey game. Take a look. Welcome to a great Saturday night in downtown San Jose. Tonight, the San Jose Sharks will play on Pride Night. just never thought of uh, hockey being fabulous, if you know what I mean. It's just, it's asexual. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody's orientation, but they encourage players to tape up their sticks like this and wear special pride jerseys for the night. If you look closely, you see the pride colors. Um, again, in my opinion, uh, this has nothing to do with hockey. Heterosexual uh, people have nothing to do with hockey. People, hockey players, fans. Stuff that brings us together. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're coming from. And some folks object to Pride Night because of reasons of faith, like their goalie, Mr. Reimer. Listen to what he said. For all 13 years of my NHL career, um, I've been a Christian, not just in title, but in, in how I choose to live my life daily. Um, I have a personal faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins. And in this specific instance, I'm personally choosing not to endorse something, um, you know, a sexual identity or orientation that is counter to my convictions, which are based in the Bible, um, which I consider the highest authority in my life. Beautiful, right? 
uh, James Reimer, the goalie. So they had to clean up the mess they had on their hands, right? Because you can't talk like this these days. Social media outrage. Uh, we have an official statement from the Sharks, right? Let's go. It goes like this. Continuing a long-standing commitment of allyship with the LGBTQIA plus community, the Sharks are extremely proud to host our 2023 Proud Night. Uh, this week's events reinforce our organization's values and dedication to an inclusive, welcoming, and safe environment. We will not waver in our support of the LGBTQIA plus community and continue to encourage others to engage in active allyship. Okay, that's a, that's a lot of enthusiasm there, okay? Now, what about what Mr. Reimer said and his thoughts? Here's their, we also acknowledge and accept the rights of individuals to express themselves regardless of the cause or topic. Sense the lack of enthusiasm for guys like Mr. Reimer who just want to practice their faith. And that's becoming a real problem in America. I uh, just wanted to point out this statement. I got a problem with that, and we'll be right back. Many thanks. I will see you next week. Uh, got two days off, plus the weekend, four-day weekend. Uh, thank you. See you later.